Hello, welcome to episode 50 of the Because Why Not podcast. How exciting! I made it to 50. We made it to 50. Thank you for being here with me. Oh, it's a great number to celebrate. We are continuing on together, and I so appreciate you listening and being here with me. I'll give a little warning here that this show is really specifically for women. Um, It is about women's bodies. It is about my experience in my own female body and as it relates to my weight and my medical care and um, empowering myself within those two things. If there are any men who want to listen... I love you for that and appreciate you for that. But I want to give this warning. I think there's something to be learned for everyone. Um, But for you ladies out there, this is for you. And I really do hope that it is of benefit. Thanks for listening. Bye. Hi, everyone. How are you? So I'm hiding in my closet. Um, hoping that I can get this time to myself un- uninterrupted uh, because you know I like to record when the spirit moves me and everything is on the tip of my tongue right now in this moment. And so I want to record. So a big rainstorm is starting outside. I can hear the thunder and the rain on the roof, which I absolutely love. And We just had a big dinner. I made this Martha Stewart one pot pasta that a client of mine told me about. And it is, in fact, amazing and ready in nine minutes after you prep it. So um, Martha Stewart one pot pasta, I highly recommend. But I'm super full and sitting hunched over um, in my closet to record this with you. Um, The rainstorm just reminded me of this wonderful thing that happened to me yesterday, which is that I was having kind of a hard day. I just, I just had a lot. I was checking off my to-do list and just trying to get a lot done and feeling overwhelmed, um, for various reasons with various things going on, uh, in my life. We all have things going on right now, right? A lot of different things. And I'm navigating a lot with my aging mom. Um, more on that later, But my sweet eight and a half year old court um, just looked up at me and said, Mommy, would you like to go turn on the sound of the rain and get in bed and snuggle and read and fall asleep? And I was like, you don't have to ask me twice. Let's go. And we had the nicest nap listening to rain. And I laughed to myself later about how that was probably the best offer any man has ever made me in my life. (laughs) It was just the sweetest. And I just really appreciated how he, I know it was what he wanted to do too, but sometimes I just really feel like these kids reach inside of my soul and give me exactly what I need and what I want. And, um, that was just one of those moments and the rain got me thinking about it. Cause I do love the sound of a rainstorm and they know I listen to that a lot. Um, when I'm falling asleep. So I digress. I am coming today to you to talk about, Gosh, how should I try and sum this up? I'm just going to start telling some, telling some stories and we'll come around to somewhere, but it's vaguely and generally and specifically about our bodies as women, our agency over our bodies, the way they look, um, the weight culture, diet culture, anything we might struggle with um, medically and who we go to for help and whom do we trust and trusting ourselves and Eastern medicine versus Western medicine and all of these things. Now, this is a huge topic and um, I'm not going to try and get into the details of all of these things, but as I always do, I come to you with something that, as we say in coaching, uh, when something is on my heart 
and this really is. And of course, it's a topic that's been um, close to me my entire life as I've battled weight issues, although I hate to even hear myself say it like that. I think um, I was sort of taught to quote unquote battle and to see it as a battle, um, a weight struggle. Um, but yeah, that's what I was taught. That's what was modeled for me. That's what I was shown, um, in my own home by my parents and culturally, I wasn't taught about loving and embracing and trusting my body as it is. So at this age, as I come around, um, in such a big way to all of this, empowered thinking and self-love and moving through my body in a way that moving through my body, but really moving through my life in a way that feels um, connected to my soul and my spirit, but also connected to my body so much as it is in this moment. Um, I find it, yeah, just a good time to kind of unpack these thoughts and feelings that I have about the way that I have viewed, treated, and felt about my body, and the way that my body has been, um, I guess, spoken about, spoken to, and treated um, with regards to my weight and my health um, by doctors and by um, people who, um, I guess portrayed it as wanting the best for me, but, um, but really, uh, maybe just felt that I ought to look a different way. So there's a lot of there there, and I'm going to figure out how to, um, go down this road in some kind of linear way. Um, and so I'll just tell you a story, which is kind of what got me here today. So just to give you a little history, many of you who know me really well know that throughout my life, I've struggled with my weight to keep it off, um, always dieting. I've done every diet in the book. And there were years of my life when I look back now and I think I shouldn't have been dieting because I was just a little girl. You know, I was in seventh grade and sixth grade, seventh grade is when I really remember, but probably fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Um, I shouldn't have been dieting because my body was growing and changing, right? But no one was using any language with me that was about, um, you know, that I was growing and that my body would change and that it was okay to, to look the way that I did. Um, you know, the only language that I received from anywhere was that I was fat. And so I was constantly trying to, um, undo that, you know, and become something else. And, you know, then there were years where I became, I look back now and I think, gosh, I was so thin and like still I had in my mind that I um, needed to look better or different or thinner. And I'm talking right now about like eighth and ninth grade. Um, and I got into the like drinking slim fast and deprivation of calories and or restricting of calories and all that kind of stuff. Um, and throughout high school, I always was feeling like I was too heavy or that I was quote unquote fat and that I wasn't attractive enough. Um, and again, I look back now and I think, oh my gosh, you were 15, 16, 17, 18. You were exactly as you ought to have been. And I was exercising and um, so much of my issues I see now standing on this mountain at 44 were in my head and were placed on me culturally, you know, that... Um, I ought to be thinner. And that's what I believed. And there was never any talk in the 80s and 90s about health. You know, it was, um, yeah, let's eat bran muffins or let's eat everything fat free because we want to lose weight and look good. But, you know, there may have been something glossed over about that being good for your health, but there was no focus on wellness and certainly overall wellness or about what the right combination of things was to put into your body in order to be healthy and get 
good energy and um, what you need to grow, what you need for your brain, what you need for your heart. I mean, there were just never conversations about that. You know, all I learned from my mom was that she smoked a million cigarettes and lived on cantaloupe, and that's how she stayed thin. And that was not said with any irony. It was sort of like, this worked for me. Um, You know, and that was in the 60s for her. And it's funny because since then I've laughed with so many friends about their mom's cantaloupe and grapefruit diets. But so it sort of went on like that for me and, and progressed. And through the years in my you know, late teens and early 20s. Um, I was just always like calorie restricting and working out a ton, or I would go through phases of eating whatever I wanted, and then I would gain weight. And there was always like 20 or 30 pounds on and off, on and off, on and off. And all the while, of course, I was drinking super heavily. And um, even there was one uh, diet phase in New York City where I went on Weight Watchers and that's where we would count points. I don't think they do that anymore, but um, you had a certain amount of points for the day and um, we would save all of our points for alcohol. So like eat as little as we could during the day or eat everything that was zero points like carrots and lettuce and apples and then drink all of our points. So the behavior was not healthy. Um, but again, even During times when I was extremely, I would say, thin or looking good in a way that was um, sort of a societal norm of looking good, um, I never felt good enough. You know, there was one time I was in New York when I was about 25 or 26, and I went through a big breakup, and to get over it I started doing spin classes and that was really the most fit I had ever been in my life and that was incredibly empowering because that was the first example in my life of using exercise for mental health and I went to spin classes probably five days a week and you know in addition to that my body was strong and fit and it was it was really great. Um, and mostly I liked looking good. You know, I got a lot of praise for looking good. And I think I knew that the exercise was helping my mental health, but that wasn't what I focused on, you know? Um, and I know I'm not alone in that, that I just always wanted to look good. And also too, that I received more attention and praised praise when I looked a certain way from my family, from, you know, guys, from my friends, um, my bosses. I mean, I have crazy stories of my bosses in New York commenting on my body when I would gain weight um, or telling me not to eat things because they would make me fat. I mean, just all that to say there's like this culture of damaged women who have been raised in such a way that they have no ability to speak about food in any sort of healthy way and um and no ability to appreciate and love their bodies for what they are and everything they're capable of and that that is an epidemic and What's happening now in the world, I think, is helping to undo a lot of that because women are speaking so openly and freely about um, their bodies. There's so much body positivity and these young women I look at, millennials, but really like Generation Z, even younger, who are like, this is what I this is what I look like and I embrace it. And they are on Instagram in their bathing suits with their rolls and their booties and I'm like wow and I mean wow like I envy them I applaud them I think it is amazing I had so much insecurity about the way that my body looked even during times when you know this 44 year old woman looks back on those photos and thinks girlfriend. Wow. Like, wow, you looked good, you know, and I had no idea because it was just never good enough for me. So, you know, I won't take you through every year of my life, but what I can say is that, um, growing children in my body allowed me to appreciate my body in a whole new way and to not belittle it 
berate it and punish it constantly. You know, I allowed myself to do what I wanted to do to grow this child and not worry about the weight that I was gaining. Um, but you know, with the first baby, it manifested in eating bowls and bowls and bowls of cereal and lots of junk. Um, and with the second one, I was more cognizant about what cognizant of and mindful of what I was putting into my body. But either way, I was so proud of what my body was doing and what it was able to do. And I really saw that creating the child in my body was a miracle. And it was something that I was doing. And it helped me really learn and understand for the first time how powerful women's bodies truly are. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, but of course, after the first baby, um, I, I, you know, wanted to lose all the weight. And, and after the second baby, too, I did. Um, and so I'll just hit the pause button on the weight conversation because I also want to talk about us having agency over our bodies and touch on the fact that I went into my first pregnancy trusting all the doctors and feeling like I, I still didn't have trust for myself. I thought I was amazing for creating the baby, but I didn't trust myself or my intuition or what was happening with my body. I didn't trust that I might have the answers. And what I mean by that is that, um, I just sort of listened to and believed whatever these doctors said about what was happening with my body and the changes as I was pregnant and I gave birth in a very traditional way in a teaching hospital at Duke University and it it was this really horrific and just not just wasn't a great situation where it was a very traumatic birth and because it was a teaching hospital there ended up being about 15 people in the room when I delivered and I just felt that I had no control and ultimately thank god everything was fine the doctor who was a woman um, while not warm and fuzzy was incredibly capable and everything was fine but I couldn't help but feel that it could have been different and it didn't have to be that way and that I could have had more control over the situation and that that would have been, you know, during the entire pregnancy and then in the birth, you know, and that really stuck with me about the fact that like, I did this, I created this baby, I know my body, I want to have more of a say in how this goes down next time if I ever do it again. So I ended up having another baby and working with midwives and that allowed me to really be in more communication about what was happening and in more control of what the birth would be like because they wanted to support me in that and and they did and I did and I trusted myself and I was able to do what I wanted and deliver with no medical intervention and no pain medication and that was a choice that I made and that I wanted to make and that I wanted to experience and and working with these women um who do things a little bit differently and really work to empower women and allow them to trust what they want and what they need and to trust their bodies enabled me to deliver a baby in a way that um, was one of the most incredible experiences of my entire life and that I was completely, you know, present for and lucid for and that I will always remember. And that really helped soften the trauma of the first delivery I had. So that those experiences I share with you to share that I went through these two really significant experiences medically having babies that showed me what I want out of... I don't know I don't how to say this but like medical care or that like I I wanted to move forward in a way where I uh, trusted my gut and my instincts because when I did that with my second delivery um, it really worked and so you know 
I think I've tried to do that to a degree in the last seven years since my baby was born and I haven't had any real medical issues but still too I have I have had these um, sort of negative experiences with doctors and that's just got me thinking about you know listening to myself more and trusting myself and I'll just paint this picture for you by saying that, you know, I had a really negative experience with sort of primary care with, um, with a woman. So it's not only male doctors, but, but the most negative experiences I've had are with working with middle-aged white male doctors who are, yes, doing their job and communicate in a certain way, but don't use any language about how do you feel you know what what is your body telling you you know what would you like what do you think is the right thing to do you know and that's been really enlightening to me and kind of what brings me around to this which is that we are taught to just sort of trust the system and trust our providers and trust that they are doing right by us and telling us what we need to know and guiding us in the right direction. But when we start to question that and we look in other directions and we start to educate ourselves, we can realize and learn as women that there's so much more available to us in terms of getting care for our bodies and certainly in terms of how we view our bodies when it comes to um, weight or diet or general health and wellness or um, anything having to do with your body. And working with the midwives was my sort of entree into that um, in the medical field. Now, the other thing that really... Um, got me down this path of listening more to my own intuition when seeking care was when I started going to acupuncture for my struggle with infertility, which um, I really loved. And I went to this woman who I believe helped my body get really primed to ultimately conceive. And, you know, then I went back to acupuncture um throughout and um, both times at the ends of my pregnancies when I was very late with the babies the first time eight days the second time 10 days I went to acupuncture to help induce labor so I became a real believer in acupuncture and that launched me into learning about eastern medicine um, and certainly Chinese medicine and so I've been such a proponent of that for years well, then I found this acupuncturist who's a woman who was referred by a really dear friend who's a woman, and she just described her as a true healer. And, you know, I'm open to all things, as you might know by now, um, especially when it comes to, you know, things that are alternative or on the woo-woo side. I mean, I'm all in. Like, I want to know about my astrological chart and how it how you know the stars were on the day that I was born and how that affects me I'm open to learning about anything but I loved learning more about acupuncture after having experienced the benefits of it on my body and knowing that there was a way to work with the energy field of my body to help heal me so I've seen this woman for years now who has been the only person, place, or thing on this planet who has been able to <clears throat> regulate my very irregular cycle, which has been irregular my whole life. Um, and she's treated, you know, for me, stress. She's treated certain aches and pains, you know, emotional pains, um, neck pains, I mean, anything, but she is a healer, but I, I am, you know, at her mercy, I trust her. And there's something really big in that. When you trust who is giving you care on your body, 
so many positive things come from that. You've got to have a good feeling about it and be able to trust them, you know? And so where I'm getting around to or what I'm what I'm getting at, what I'm coming around to with all of this is that 2 years ago I was getting massage by a man, which was supposed to be a very relaxing experience, and he found a lump in my neck. And 10 minutes into the massage, he said to me, you may want to get that checked out because it could be cancer. I had a client who had a lump like that, and it ended up being a sarcoma. Or is that right? It was something. And I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he just said that to me. Now I have 45 more minutes of this massage. Well, I went down this path to try and sort out what this lump was in my upper left shoulder, neck area. Not really at the base of my neck, but on the left, um, the left of my spine, kind of. I got an ultrasound. I got an MRI. Um... And it turned out that it was what I thought it was, was a lipoma, which you may or may not know is like a sort of enclosed um, ball of fat that people get. It can be genetic. It can be random. But lots of times people get them on their backs. Um, So, yeah, so I got that checked out. And in that process, I went to a primary care and my primary care doctor had left who I had didn't have much of a relationship with because mostly I was going to um, the OBGYN for years. Um, But I saw this man and it was to talk about this lump in my neck and the MRI. And it was my very first meeting with him very first. And we talked about all of this and he got into talking to me about my weight. Well, um, for the past probably four or five years, I have been at my heaviest that I've ever been. I am at probably like almost at full term pregnancy weight for me. Um, and I have been for years and it's, it's kind of up and down a little bit, but it's something that has just remained. And I always make a joke, which of course is a joke at my own expense, but that I am the healthiest overweight person that anyone could meet. And I always make that joke or make that statement when I'm at the doctor, of course, as a way to protect myself and say, I may weigh the amount that I did when I was nine months pregnant, but I don't have diabetes. I don't have this. I don't have that. I don't have any um, of those things that are concerning. I don't drink anymore. I don't smoke anymore. I have a healthy diet. I am just overweight. I eat too much sugar. Let's say that. I don't burn enough of the calories I take in. Um, And I do that as a defense. I hear myself saying it every time. But this doctor I was meeting for the very first time, all I remember is that he handed me a pamphlet and it was a pamphlet for gastric bypass surgery. And he said, you could be a candidate for this. And that was like where everything went black. You know, I couldn't believe what was happening. I was just stunned. I mean, we had no rapport. We had no relationship. I mean, I don't know if I wanted him to like take me out to dinner and like, you know, buy me a bottle of wine at that point and um, then hand me a pamphlet about gastric bypass surgery. But I was just stunned, you know, and I was also really, really sad and hurt, self-conscious, upset. And I felt deep, deep shame. And I really beat up on myself a lot. I thought, you know, see, you're so fat and you're so heavy and this is what's wrong with you. And you've created all these problems. You've done this. You know, you're not healthy because you are choosing not to lose the weight and you need to lose weight. Well, I didn't even take into consideration whether or not that was appropriate for him to give that to me whether or not that my numbers were actually accurate, you know, if I did qualify for that, much less like what I, I, I just, I couldn't believe it on any level, on any level. Like, yes, I may weigh a certain amount, but you would never 
look at me and think that I would require surgery in order to move forward with my life um, in that way. And by the way, no shame if it is something that people need and it is something that they do, but it just felt so thoughtless and just tone deaf sort of in the way he handed it to me, but I let it go. So now flash forward two years, I'm with this wonderful acupuncturist and I'm talking through the lump in my neck, which we think is a lipoma, but it's starting to bother me aesthetically. You know, my boys comment on it. Um, for whatever reason, I have children or at least one child who comments on my body. And that's something that's really hard for me and that I struggle with. Um, and we're working on it. We have a lot of conversations about, you know, um, that our bodies are private and we don't comment on people's bodies unless, you know, you have something nice to say. And we definitely have gotten into conversations about like, it doesn't matter what size you are, it matters that you're healthy. And this is why we, you know, eat our green vegetables and don't just eat cake or whatever it is. But the boys, you know, they're, we're all very close and they're with me a lot. And they started commenting on the lump in my back. And so I went down this road again of, could I get this removed? So my acupuncturist, I was talking to her about this and we were talking about cortisol levels, um, you know, maybe adrenal fatigue, your adrenal glands create cortisol, which is a stress induced hormone. Um, and it can possibly add to, um, having a difficult time losing weight. We were talking about all these things. And I told her this story of the doctor who handed me the pamphlet and she was just aghast, stunned. She said she got shivers all over her body. She couldn't believe that that happened and that never should have happened. And that wasn't okay. And here was this wonderful woman who I love and trust and who makes me feel, it makes my body feel nothing but wonderful, calm, healed, whole, strong. And she was acknowledging for me that what had happened to me was not okay. And that meant so much to me. And again, just shined a light on the importance of getting care from people who you feel good about. Of course, we're all going to have to have moments where we meet with doctors who are specialists or whatever, and we may need to, we may need to hear what they have to say. But if you don't have a good feeling about someone, you've got to move on. So flash forward to this past week, I went to a consultation speaking of, to an orthopedist that my dermatologist referred me to for this lump. Because I asked my dermatologist if she could remove it. She said, no, it would really be surgery um, or plastic surgery. So get, get a consultation. Here's an orthopedist. So I went to the orthopedist this week and I found it to be really cold. Um, just his demeanor. And maybe it's because I'm not a, around a lot of middle-aged white male doctors anymore. But like this primary care doctor who I saw two years ago, I just found myself thinking like, this guy is just really like, I don't know, just very direct, very cold. He was doing his job. He was asking questions, giving information, but there was no connection, you know, no no really wanting to know how I felt about things or, or what did I want or, um, and maybe it was having masks on. That's something I've never done at the doctor before. And so it felt like there was a real separation between us, but he kind of felt like, I don't know. He reminded me of like a boss who I didn't like, or maybe a gym teacher or maybe a parental figure who's unhappy with you. You know, he was like, here are the facts, basically. Here are the facts. What do you want? Because if you want this, we do this. If you want this, we do that. But you need to know that um, this may not be what you want it to be. And this may not turn out how you want it to turn out. So, um, you know, you just, you just need to, I don't even know how to describe it. He was very cold. And I just, you know, I was fine. I just sort of listened and I asked questions and I thanked him for the information. Um, 
what it came down to, just really quickly about this lump in my back, is that it's not a lipoma, but it's just fatty tissue. And that I could go to a plastic surgeon and get liposuction, um, or I could have the orthopedist perform surgery, but what he was saying is that it would ultimately probably not be worth it because there would be um, a large recovery from that that would take months. So he was giving a lot of information, but before I knew it, you know, we had been talking about you know, options. And I said, you know, okay, well, you know, I really appreciate you sharing all this with me. And, you know, I have a lot to think about. It sounds like if my concern is over how it appears aesthetically, then, you know, I can speak to a plastic surgeon. And so that's kind of where we were, that my concern was aesthetic. It's not dangerous. And, you know, here's the course of action. But before I knew it, he was asking me my weight, which my husband will tell you, anyone will tell you, I don't want to be asked that. I don't want to tell you. I don't think it's anyone's business. I don't define myself by a number. I don't appreciate that my whole entire life I have been defined by a number in many ways, or that, you know, I carried that around with me, literally and figuratively, that I weighed too much, I was supposed to weigh less. And I as a grown woman don't want to talk about my weight. And in fact, you know, this, this group that I go to of women doctors, they don't focus on your weight. They don't talk about it with you. They talk about your overall health and well-being. And um, I just think, you know, for me, that's, that's where I am in life, that we can assess a lot of things about my body without dissecting my weight. But before I knew it, this man was asking my weight and I gave it to him. And he looked at me and said, is that the real number? And I said, yes, that's the real number, doctor. And he asked how tall I was. And then he turned his phone to me and he said, okay, well, here's your body mass index, which is blah, blah, blah. And so because you're right there, you could be a candidate for gastric bypass surgery. Your numbers are not quite there. You don't qualify with your numbers, but your insurance might agree to covering it because even though you don't have any um, of the comorbidities that um, are associated with people who need the surgery, they know that you will get those one day because of the obesity. That's what he said to me. He said all of that in 30 seconds without any prompting from me. I mean, it happened again. And I thought, what is happening? I can't believe that just happened again. He just launched all of this at me. And it, to me, it feels so serious. And so, um, gosh, just like such a big topic. And you're just like hurling it at someone. And I just felt stunned, you know, stunned because I don't remotely consider myself someone who would be um, a candidate for that. Maybe I'm wrong, although he did say my numbers didn't have me qualifying for that. Um, so I think there were different sides of it. Like one, I don't see myself that way. Two, you've just acknowledged that my numbers don't um make it so that I qualify. So why are you telling me that? But you're giving it to me as an option because you're telling me that one day I will be very, very sick. I mean, just so much of it was so crazy. I was at an orthopedic consult and all of a sudden I was being told to consider gastric bypass surgery. It was just bananas. So I came home and I was just well, I didn't come home. I told my husband I needed time to myself. And in years past, I would have sat and cried hysterically in the car. And I didn't, but I spent a lot of time just feeling really upset and down. And then I felt angry. I felt angry. Like I didn't ask for any of this, you know? And it led me down this path of feeling like, my whole life has been spent being told primarily by men, by doctors, by parents. So my parents are man and woman, but doctors, parents, um, or just society or boyfriends, or I don't know, maybe boyfriends. No, but maybe 
just me believing I needed to be a certain way in order to be liked by boys, just being told, maybe literally or figuratively, that my body needed to be different. And so I just started feeling anger about that, that there's this lump in my back that is literally like the albatross on my back that I am believing has to be removed because I need to look different and better and that I'm punishing myself for because I know that that thing on my back is made up of fatty tissue that somehow arrived when I gained weight and when I've been heavier over the last four or five years. And I just came home finally talked to my husband and got pretty upset and was like talking about it loudly and passionately and he was stunned about what the doctor said but as he always does he offers a really brilliant um he always says I'm just playing devil's advocate but what he said was you know not everybody wants to change their bodies in ways that are healthy and, you know, or, or maybe it's that, you know, people want quick fixes and maybe he thinks that you want a quick fix and surgery is an option for many, many women and people who want quick fixes. Think about plastic surgery, you know, facelifts, you know, and he makes a good point. I mean, it could be that this man was going, you know, you have a, um, a deformity that you don't like, you can get it removed and you can also fix your whole body by doing surgery. And they're just offering that up as an option. So that could be. But I think really what it comes down to, which Maddie really heard me say, is this. When does my body get to be my own? When do people get to stop commenting on my body? I am 44 and up until... Just about last year, I heard from at least one parent regularly that I was, quote unquote, too heavy. And what was I doing about my weight? And from another parent, what are you going to do to lose the weight? I mean, it was always something from a parent. And I am a grown woman. I have heard now from male doctors who know nothing about me other than a number that they're judging, even though I'm in perfect health. I have, you know, given birth to healthy children and grown children in my body. I have learned to love myself for who I am with all of my quote unquote imperfections. You know, I'm strong and powerful and healthy. I have stretch marks all over my stomach from babies, but would I hand back my babies? No. You know, I'm carrying around this extra weight, but would I change anything? Or would I be a better person if I did get rid of the weight? No. Would my heart be better? No. And, well, would my heart be healthier? Maybe, you know, and that's the one consideration medically that I do take seriously. And that is why I do want to drop some weight because women do have a high rate of heart disease. And I'm, I'm no dummy, you know, I mean, I pay attention to what, what's what, and, and, and I'm very interested in being healthy, obviously. Um, but I just, I started feeling like, when does my body get to be mine? And the answer is now. Our bodies are ours and they get to be ours now. And no one has to tell us how to be, what to weigh, how to look, how to live. We have got to do what feels right to us to tap into our intuition and listen to what our intuition is telling us, how our inner voice is guiding us. We need to think about or really feel how we relate to our caregivers, whether they're Eastern or Western medicine practitioners, how do we feel about them? Do we trust them? 
Do we believe in what they're saying? If not, go get a second opinion, go to a different practice, get three opinions, try out a functional medicine doctor if you want to do something different. Um, But we don't have to trust someone to be a quote professional and believe everything that they say because they have a degree that we don't hold. And as it as it relates to dieting, you know, I've done so much reading and learning recently about diet culture and how many of these diets were created by white men with no background in health whatsoever. The paleo diet, the keto diet, the Atkins diet, I guess Atkins was a doctor, but there's this laundry list of diets that were created by men with no background in nutrition or health, you know, in order to kind of perpetuate this idea that women have got to make themselves smaller, whether or not, like me, they have any health risks. So, you know, I am sitting here as someone with no current health risks who who is being told to be smaller. But I also know that there are potential health risks I can have. Um, and I, and I want to take it seriously, but I don't want to be told what to do by someone who has met me for 10 minutes and who doesn't have a conversation with me about my life. And that's the lesson is that there are a lot of people out there, women and men who, I can talk to and I can seek treatment from or guidance from for any number of things who will speak to me and connect with me in a way that feels right. And we know that, you know, the good stuff comes when you are working together with someone who you trust and not someone that you have resistance towards. And that goes for everything in your life. So there are sort of two sides to this, the way we look and what's inside of us. And no matter which way or which thing we're focusing on, you know, it's all connected. It's all who you are, who I am. And we have got to empower ourselves and believe that we are empowered to have agency over our own bodies and the way that they look and the care that they need. And we've got to trust ourselves. And also love ourselves no matter the flaws that appear on the outside. Because all of these things make us who we are. All of these things have gotten us to where we are today. I have lived for decades and had an amazing life. And I wouldn't change any of that in order to have a body that looked different today. But it's still within my control always to be healthier, to be more fit in ways that feel good to me, not because I'm being told by a doctor that I've got to be a different way. So there are two Instagram accounts I want to share with you if you're interested in pursuing more of this. One is the Embodied Psychotherapist. I think it's at Embodied Psychotherapist. And then there's a great one called Tanya by the Spoonful, and she teaches intuitive eating. She's actually based in North Carolina as well in Raleigh, but it's at Tanya by the Spoonful. And she has a podcast called We're Not Waiting, W-E-R-E, Not Waiting, W-E-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. And um, I just think they're really smart women talking a lot about this subject Um, mostly related to um, diet culture and physical stuff, Um, but also, um, I don't want to say just appearance because it's all, it's physical and it's physical. It's outside and it's inside, right? So it's all connected. They're doing great work on that. So I'll put that in the show notes. But um, yeah, I just wanted to take this opportunity to share these stories in some way because As always, I'm sharing my experience in hopes that it connects with you and helps you move forward in your life in some kind of meaningful way, um, or is helpful 
or is of benefit to you in some way. I'm working on loving myself for who I am every day, even as I preach and I coach that this is what our work is. You know, it continues to be mine. And when I can wake up in the morning and look at my face and my body just as it is and speak to myself in a kind, caring way about my beauty and my strength, I know how far I've come. And I want that for every woman. I really do. I really do. If I had an ounce of the self-love at age 12 that I have today, then my relationship with my body might have been very different. And that's something that I hope young women um, are doing really differently and that I see them doing differently. And that makes me so, so happy. And, you know, I hope my boys will too. It's, you know, boys are not exempt from speaking to themselves in ways that are lacking in love. And so, but this is about you. This is about us. This is about grown women. This is about moving forward powerfully in our lives and loving ourselves first, prioritizing ourselves, and really tapping into your intuition when it comes to the care that you're seeking and from whom you're seeking care. So I hope this is helpful. I know I went in a lot of different directions, but I'm going to leave it right here and give you a big virtual hug as always. I hope you can take time for yourself maybe not in your closet sharing at your staring at your shoe racks like I am maybe someplace nicer than that um although it hasn't been bad being in here right just got time to myself with you so be well and take care and I will be back with you again soon bye thank you so much for listening today I hope you enjoyed the episode If you would, pass this episode or any other along to anyone you know who might enjoy it or who you think might benefit from it. And if you can, take some time to leave a review of this episode or any episode of the Because Why Not podcast uh, at Apple Podcasts or anywhere you listen. It helps so much to get it into the hands of other people who might enjoy it and benefit from it. Also, please visit anchor.fm slash Because Why Not podcast to support this podcast. You can scroll to the bottom of the page click on support and make a one-time donation or become a monthly sponsor. It really helps me to keep going and to create these podcasts for you regularly. So thanks again and take care of yourselves. Bye.